Thank you. We want to welcome all those not only being here today. Thank you for being here. And you are going to be blessed at the end as Natalie and the choir are going to lead us in just a time of praise. We'll get to that in a few moments. But we do welcome all those watching from all over New York City, all over the United States, and all around the world. We want to thank you for being here today. I didn't know what Natalie was going to sing. I didn't know what her and Bernie were coming. I just showed up today. But I knew what God put on my heart. And that's why I think it was significant that she sang that last song, King of the World. Cindy and I told you last, a couple weeks ago, Cindy and I celebrated our 25th anniversary, and we are so excited. I, let me just tell you something. I told this to Cindy. I said, there is nobody I'm going to do this with than her, and let me just help just uh, new couples. I've talked to some today. Um, if you ever hear the question, if I die, who would you marry? Don't ever answer that question, Okay. I'm just, or you'll be in the, with Pastor Patrick in marital counseling after that. And here's what I told Cindy. I said, Cindy, let me just be real clear. I'm doing this once. If you go, I said, I'm taking that life insurance money. I'm getting a nanny. And I said, I'm done with this. I said, one time and that's it. I got the best and that's all I, I'm dealing with. And so, but it was interesting. We celebrated 25 years and one of the most, um, I think, standout wedding presents that we received was from an artist in our church in Detroit. Her name was Jeanette, and what she did was she took a table and a mirror, stripped it down, and then did, did her work, which she does best. She began to pen, I mean, um, paint a picture of Cindy and I, our house. The, the detail was absolutely amazing that... Um, it, it was a masterpiece to us and for us. We were so blessed with that. I remember where we put it in our home in Detroit, and we kept that thing, and you couldn't put anything on there. We felt heaven would open up and swallow you up. And it was, it was for those first couple years that no one could touch that table. Don't ever touch it. We didn't want a ring on there from a cup of coffee. It was not a waiting place for anything. And it's amazing what took place after just a few years, how laundry baskets began to put on the table. And then it became a coffee cup holder and it became a place that you just kept putting. And then one of the drawers on it became a junk drawer um, and it just happened. Then when we moved to Brooklyn, it was incredible that when, I don't even know where it was on the move. I don't even know where it was even located. I don't even know if it got out of a box. And then when we moved down south, I found, it took me a while to find it. It was in the garage with like an Xbox on it and, and covered in wires. And here's what's amazing. When we moved to New York two years ago, it didn't even make the cut. It is in a garbage dump somewhere um, down south. And here's all I thought about was this. How does something special and magical get dull and end up in the garbage? How, how does something we once protected start collecting dust and become now something, just something to move and an inconvenience and all of a sudden eventually begins to get thrown out? Now, folks, let me just say this to you. That's just a wedding gift, but what about God's gifts? What about the gifts of God? I thought if this could happen with wedding gifts, what have I done to even the gifts of God? In fact, I started to ask myself this question. This is what gripped me this week for what I was reading. How does heaven get old to me? 
Now let me, let me walk you through because I want to take you to a passage of scripture where heaven began to become old. See, this is an enemy. And that's why this song that Natalie sang was so appropriate. It's an enemy that slips in unaware to our homes, our lives, even our churches. And for those that are watching from different parts of the world, it's got to be something that we've got to guard against even our churches. It's when the miraculous becomes common. It's when what once, what once used to put awe in us now begins to bring a yawn. It's, it's when heaven gets old. The, the writer from England, G.K. Chesterton, said it like this. He says, the things we see every day are usually the things we never see at all. Think about that just for a moment. What once put awe inside of us now brings a yawn inside of us. Speaking of yawns, I just read the story of a man from Will County, Illinois that was locked up for six months for yawning. Six months. Here's what's amazing. A federal judge was, was beginning to sentence Mr. Williams in federal court because of, a, because of a felony drug charge. And while he was sentencing him, the man yelled out a yawn and raised his arms to stretch and immediately received six months, the maximum penalty, for, you ready for this? For contempt of court. What is it? What's contempt of court. What is that exactly when someone is held in contempt? Let me explain to you what contempt of court is. Contempt is the feeling that a person or a thing is beneath my consideration or even unworthy of my respect. And all of a sudden, this man who made no big deal of a sentence or the court system, all of a sudden is now charged six extra months of top of his felony drug charge for yawning in court because he didn't take it seriously. And I believe God's wonderful works, which happen daily, are, are lightly esteemed because, because not because they're not important, but because they happen so consistently without interruption, folks. It's so easy to hold in contempt what God gives to us every single day. And it's such a miracle when we understand that. In fact, I remember one man saying it like this, I think we would appreciate sunsets more if we actually had to pay for them. See, the sun is a gift, a sunrise is a gift from God and so easy to held in contempt because it happens every day that God, the king of the world, is watching over all of us every single day. Even heading into the holidays, we can be guilty of contempt. And that's why this story in Numbers chapter 11 literally put a warning in my heart and soul about holding things in contempt. Let me tell you about it for just a second. Every morning, the children of Israel saw a mural, just like a sunrise. Every single morning, the children of Israel would wake up and see a miracle. Contempt is about to happen, and you're going to see it. Because they were fed from heaven on their 40-year journey through the desert with a miracle food called manna. The manna was like sunrise. It was a miracle from heaven that came every single morning. When the sun rose, manna was already being provided for. It was their meal on their 40-year journey. They saw, listen, Times Square Church, a gift from heaven every single morning. The first time manna arrived was in Exodus chapter 16. I want you to see what it was called. Because manna was called, you ready for this? The bread of heaven and even called the glory of God. This is what they saw it as 
Look at Exodus 16, four through seven. It says this, then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I'm gonna rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out, gather a day's portion every day. I'll test them to make sure whether or not they'll walk in my instruction. On the sixth day, when they prepare, they'll bring it in twice as much because the next day is gonna be Sabbath. So Moses and Aaron said to the sons of Israel, at evening, you'll know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt because of this kind of provision. Look at it. And in the morning, I love this. Look at what it says. You will see the glory of the Lord for he hears your grumblings against the Lord. Think of this for a moment, folks. This is the bread that would feed millions every day in the desert for 40 years. Like clockwork, they would wake up and it was there. They were being provided for. I mean, listen, I have four kids. You know how much I long for something like this to take place right here in Manhattan? You know how much it costs to feed four teenagers? Seriously, I would just go, God, send manna. Send manna. Send something. But think of it, 313 days times 40 years. That's over 12,000. Why, why, Pastor Tim, 313? Why not 365? Well, it said that they would skip one day because it was Sabbath. 300, and they would, only, they would only take it up once, and it would, take, it would take care of the three meals every single day. It was a miracle that occurred for two generations. And here's the part I want you to get, Times Square. Get this now. Exodus 16, that we just read, takes place in 1446 B.C., what we're about to read in Numbers chapter 11 takes place just one year late. In one year, after one year of this miracle, they're now tired of heaven. They're now tired of seeing the same thing over and over again. One year. How does it happen that you get tired of a miracle? You get tired of heaven. How does heaven get old? I want you to listen to what they said when they started to see this food. This is their words one year later, Numbers eleven six. Here it is. There is nothing to look at except this manna. Okay, if you wanna, how, how here, here's, here's what's amazing. When you think about it, let me, let me read it to you just out of the, out of the message because this, this, this from the glory of God to manna, out of the message it says, but nothing tastes good out here except this manna, manna, manna. Now, folks, think of this. How in one year does it not seem like a miracle anymore? Let's just bring it to us for a second. Because God has provided some amazing things for us. How, how all of a sudden does the apartment or the house lose, lose this miracle status? The very thing that you prayed for, now all of a sudden we have forgotten the provision of God. What, what, about, what about the spouse that you prayed for? Now it's turning into this man. What, the, 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 what about the child that you prayed for? You're going like, oh, they eat. What's amazing to me is the miracle that God gives us can so easily get old to us. How does, how does the church that, that, that we come to to want to experience the presence of God, all of a sudden we find 10 other things to do on a Sunday except gather with the people of God. We can lose it. We can lose it around Christmas. That's why I'm so thankful that Natalie reminded us in that first song of what she believes, that statement of faith of what she believes. I was reading the story of a lady that was shopping down who literally 
forgot what Christmas is about, shopping down by Macy's, dragging around her two kids that were reaching at every single thing. She's thinking, I've got to cook for them, I've got to buy presents, and these two kids are killing me. And she's walking through Macy's with them. She gets eventually on the elevator. Macy's is jam-packed with people. The elevator shuts, and she's sitting there, gripping with the death grip on these kids with a packed elevator and just doesn't even realize she's saying it out loud. And she begins to say, whoever started this whole Christmas thing should be found, strung up, and shot. And from the back of the elevator, someone says, don't worry, we already crucified him. Listen to me close. That's what reminds us that this isn't about toys and a man in a red suit, but it's a man on the cross is what this is all about. And that's why we've got to understand, you know when Christmas gets old is when you have the wrong focus. That's when it gets old. That's what happens with these children of Israel. See, think of it. How, if it happens to Israel, it can happen to us. How do we go from heaven and glory to no big deal? Man, that, that song haunts me from John Newton who writes in that final verse, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. You know what he was saying was? Heaven will be fresh every single day as you see the Son of God. And in fact, I said, God, start now. Start doing it inside of me now. Let me see everything fresh every day, even right now. So I wanna give you three quick thoughts. I want you to jot this down on how we can be protected from contempt. How we can be protected from seeing those miracles every day where heaven doesn't become old to us. And I think there are three things that God has begun to show me and even warn me going into this holiday season. Let me, let me give you the first one, and I have to explain it because it, it, it's an it's important thought here. Here's the first thing. Get, get this. We have to settle the who question. It's going to come. Bear with me. Or the where answer will lead us to tra tragedy or it will be tragic. We have to settle the who question before or the where answer will be tragic. Let, th this is what I want you to get. Adversity makes people want to go back to the security of what was instead of pressing through to what can be. Let me, let me say that again. There's something about this that there is a, such an important lesson. I, I even realize this. Adversity, when you go through difficult times, wants us to go back to the security of what we knew, even if it was bad. Instead of pressing through difficulty, the trial, the storm of what can be. I, I was reading, I was, I was listening to a podcast this week of, 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 a, of, of what they were doing, a study of people would rather be miserable in their present job than experience a change to something new and even a better future. See, tough times made the children of Israel say this. You ready for this? This is what they said. We like the menu options of Egypt rather than the miracle bread every morning from God. Okay, how insane is that? We like the menu of Egypt instead of getting the desert food, the miracle bread. Here, and here's where it started from. Listen to Numbers 11.1. 1. It says this. Now the people complained about the hardships in the hearing of the Lord. See, the children of Israel hit a rough patch on their journey. 
which is to be expected. And in fact, with all of those that have been born again over not only this, these weeks since we reopened, only open for 10 weeks, but even over these, this entire pandemic, I, I want you to understand, you are gonna hit a rough patch. And now, they, they, like, like the children of Israel, there are people who don't wanna walk by faith but retreat back to experience their, their, their really their experience of the past. They don't want to walk by faith forward, but retreat backward to their past experience. This happens even with those that are newly born again. They'll say stuff like this, it was easier not being a Christian than it is being a Christian. Let me just say this, welcome to the faith. Because it is going to be difficult at times. And what's gonna happen inside of you is it's gonna come this thought, it was easier to do it this way than to follow Jesus. Now my family is saying this, my friends won't even talk to me, and I can't even go anywhere on the weekends and all. Let me, let me just let you know something. But here's the miracle of it. But wherever you go forward, you go with God. That's what's incredible for us. God goes with us. See, that's why we encourage you to get part of a connect group from even around the world. That's why we're asking. There's some 25 different countries that have connect groups all over the world and over half the United States. And that's why we're encouraging you, get with people that understand this journey. See, the children of Israel wanted to go back to Egypt instead of moving forward to God. Listen to what they remember. This is what they said. The rabble who were among them had greedy desires and said this, this thing. They said, who will give us meat to eat? And this is what they said. We remember the fish. Here comes the menu items. We used to eat free. I'm going to come back to that free stuff in Egypt in just a second. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And there is nothing they said to look at here now except this man. Look, look at the who question for just a second, church. Who will give us meat to eat. That's the question they ask. Wouldn't pause long enough to get the answer to it because if I was giving the answer, if this was the next verse that, that in verse five, this is what it would have sound like. It would have been like, duh, the God who brought you out of Egypt the God who opened up the Red Sea, the God who brought water out of a rock, the God who sends bread every single day, who would begin to help you and send me? I know a God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. See, they asked who, but answered their own question with a tragic where they can begin to get their needs met. Now folks, here's what I wanna tell you, get this down. This is where they were so wrong. You have to know the answer to who in adversity or you're gonna end up where you're not supposed to be. Okay, stay with me now, listen to that again. Some of you got to get this. You have to know the big question, the who in adversity or you're gonna end up where you are not supposed to. You're gonna end up in a relationship because you're sitting there going like, because you didn't know God can take care of you, now you're going like, well, they like rainbows, and they like, and they like good book and sunsets. This must be God's provision for me. Okay, okay, listen closely. I know when the holiday season comes, loneliness comes, but if you don't know who keeps you, you're gonna end up in a spot that you don't wanna be at in the first place. 
Understand this, because when adversity comes, if we don't answer the who question, the where is absolutely dangerous. Or let me just tell it to you like this, get this down. When you know your big yes, the little no's are easy. When you know the big yes, the little no's are easy. So let me explain to you like this. When we were living in Queens, um, this is the easiest way I can explain it. When we said yes to God, when you said yes to let me tell you what you said no to. You said no to astrology leading your future. You said no to superstition guiding you. When I said yes to God, it doesn't matter whether I'm a Capricorn or a Sagittarius, I'm a child of God. So if I need to know the future, I don't look to see what month I was born in and what someone, someone is saying that this is what's gonna happen today. I look to God to know the future. My big yes takes care of my no. This is exactly what happened. I was walking down our street in Queens and there was this giant ladder against this bagel shop and they're fixing their sign. Folks, from, from a half a block away, I watched, it had to be a half a dozen people going down and going, oh, don't walk under a ladder and they have to walk this way. And they, they had to make sure if they walked under a ladder, that was gonna be like six years of bad luck. So as I was approaching it, I had somebody going, don't, don't, it's the ladder, don't, don't, don't. Well, my who is taken care of. When I said yes to God, there's no ladder that controls my destiny. There's not a, there's, listen, in fact, if I wanted to go underneath that ladder and go and get a bagel, I'll get a bagel and go underneath that ladder. So here's what happened. They go, the ladder. Folks, I, I'm, I'm just, a, I walked underneath that ladder and I just went like, and someone's going like, oh, I can't believe he did it. I said, but you don't know who I know. You don't understand that I can do that. See, adversity, my who, did things to determine everything else that there. Every, during the week, these precious elders that sit here pray for you, prayed for Natalie every single day this week as they begin to cry out to the Lord. And on Thursday, our elders and pastors begin to cry out. They pray from six to seven every single morning. Uh, I'm sorry, Tuesday through Friday in the mornings. And on Thursday, we heard about the first, the first case of Omicron, a variant coming into California. We started to pray, God, you, we're, we're gonna believe for your protection. We're gonna pray that God, you're gonna do something. Within one day, five cases are in New York City. By the end of yesterday, 10 cases are in New York City. Folks, let, let me just help you for just a second here. Heaven gets old when we forget where our help comes from. Let, let me say it like this. We think our safety is in CDC, DC, Dr. Fauci, a mask, a booster shot. Can I just help you? Listen, you're not going to get me to, you, people try to go, you anti-vax or you government, anti-government. Let me just tell you this. I am anti-COVID and pro-Jesus. That's what I am today. So if you're going to try to bring me in, I don't have time for that because I'm not looking for a shot or a boost because we serve these precious doctors that are trying to figure out what's going on. It will always be one step ahead. How come? Because our help is not found this way. Our help is found this way in God himself. Folks, understand, when people begin who, who don't know the who, then they're looking for where to get their answers. I, I have to tell you this, because people are crazy, they will end up in crazy places with their where. Now, I have to say this because it's my people that did it. 
This, this is the latest report out of Italy. This is us Italians, we have no shame. Let me just tell you this. So let me just tell you what happens. Just came out, when the, when the variant came out, this man who, that, that didn't want to get a, a vaccine, what he, what he did was, it's in the paper, he, he spent weeks making a rubber arm and to go to get, because he, he wanted to get the, the card, so he walks into the nurse's office with a rubber arm. His arm's behind his back. There's a rubber arm and tells the nurse, don't look at my arm, just, just go ahead and give me the shot. Well, of course he's busted. I'm thinking, I'm thinking if, if the mark of the beast comes 666, are you gonna get like a rubber head? Like, like how, does this, how does this work? Those are my people. I, I, take, I, I take pride in creativity. But let me just tell you this. When, whatever, folks, there could be 10 more variants that are coming this way. But can I tell you, I'm not running to DC. I'm not running to the CDC. I'm not running for a boot. I'm telling you this. Bible says this, because I know who. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they are safe. That's where we run to. That's where God calls us to. That's what he's asking us to do. It was as A.W. Tozer said, the great Christian missionary alliance, he says, the sons of this world have not God. They only have each other. They walk holding on to each other, looking for someone for assurance like frightened children, not us. I don't hold on to people here. I hold on to my Jesus who is going to bring us through. And he's the one that begins to go with us. That's what God asks us to do. Folks, listen, listen. I believe men and women are gonna realize that man's best efforts can't keep strains and variants. Doctor's best efforts will not be enough, but I know a God who's more than enough. That's what makes this amazing. Do you know that that was actually a name for God in the book of Genesis? A God who is more than enough? More than enough. When God was calling a 99-year-old man to have children, you better have the God that's more than enough. Think of it. Listen to these words, Genesis 17. Now, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, here it comes, I am God Almighty. Walk before me, be blameless. I'll establish a covenant. And then he gives him the impossible. And I will multiply you exceedingly. See, that name, God Almighty, is, is a Hebrew word, which actually means El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. And Abraham knew the who, who God is, can take care of any hurdle that's in front of me. He can do it, he can take care of anything that's here. That's the God we look to, that's the person we run to. Do you know the Webster Dictionary does something every November, and I just read it three days ago. Every single November they come up with the word of the year. And, they, and it's, it's them saying this is a word that was either made up or an old word revived um, that People now, it's like the, the common word that is now on everybody's lips. If you go all the way back to the, to the early 2000s, there was everything from Chad to Y2K. Us older people know about those. Then subprime around 2009 at the, the, the crash of the market. And then all of a sudden, as, as time went on the last couple of years, fake news, BLM, hashtag. You ready for this? I'm going to give you this year's word of the year. Here it comes. This year's word, vaccine is the word of the year. Can, can, can I just help you folks? I'm gonna give you your word of the year. Here it comes, Jesus. That's your word of the year. I'm just telling you, 
If you don't like that one, then El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. In fact, we are told there's 255 different names for Jesus in the Bible. Choose anyone you want. Don't choose vaccine as your word of the year. Choose the name that is above every single name that can walk you through anything. Or as the Holocaust survivor and preacher Corey Timboon said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. Hallelujah. All right, second thing. We've got to do this fast. Number two, stuff gets old, but God never does. Stuff gets old, but God never does. When you live for stuff, you'll never be satisfied. Stuff doesn't last, but God is everlasting. I, I, I learned this fast in ministry. 30 years in Detroit, folks, I've had everything broken into multiple times. My car's been broken into three times. They've sold cassette decks. Okay, here it comes. This is my age. They even stole an A-track player out of my car. I had one car thief, you ready for this? Steal my Bible and a teaching series on the book of Jude. I'm going, okay, Christian thieves. Okay, that's all right. We can go with that. They have broken into our church. They've broken into our home. We've had everything stolen. But there was one time, I learned it fast, at 19 years old, when I went to Detroit and started working on the streets, there was one time that it, it meant something to me. I just left uh, my freshman year at Baylor. I was up, at, up in Detroit. And I got, okay, another dating of myself. I got for graduation from my parents. How many remember this thing called a boom box? Okay, how many ever had a boom box? Come on, folks, admit it. Okay, but let me just ask you this. How many carried it on your shoulder? Can I just ask this? Okay, there'll be a deliverance service for you at the end of this service. I got a boombox. It was this, it was, it was amazing to me. It was a JVC. It's not that old, folks. It's not like, it's not like the, you know, like the Neanderthal thing, but, it's, it's, but what was amazing is is you can pull all five separate components off. It, it needed to be still, there was no such thing as Bluetooth, okay, for all you students. It, we still had wires, but you can disconnect it. It was amazing, it was going, and it's from my parents, I'm going like, this is mine. When I lived in Detroit, we also, I also lived at a home that I would bring in guys off the streets, and I brought in Jimmy, was one of the guys I brought in off the streets, who was an ex-drug addict. Jimmy came into the house, and one of the times, that I was gone at the church, Jimmy came in and, and took my JVC boombox and sold it for drugs. And I knew he did it. I, I came back, and this is where God was teaching me. Stuff gets old, but God doesn't. And I remember coming in, and I was, I, 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 my heart broke. And I sat, I remember where I was. It was Bethune Avenue in Midtown Detroit, and I'm looking, and I'm going, you took my stereo. You sold it for drugs. And I'm sitting there, and I felt this, the presence of God come over me, and I remember looking at Jimmy, and this is what I told him. I said, Jimmy, I said, let me just tell you something. And this is where God helped me, because I was upset. I said, you took something that moth and rust can corrupt. I said, I'm, I'm quoting the Sermon on the Mount, and I said, but thieves like you, Jimmy, who try to break in and steal it, I said, Jesus said, store up your treasures in heaven. I said, 
but you took something that moth and rust can corrupt, and we're thieves. That's you, Jimmy, that can break in. And, and he knew by the end of this what I meant. <laughs> but this is what I needed to know, is that people can take stuff from you but they can't take the treasure from you that God has done inside of you. And that's why our hope isn't built on stuff. That's why the 19th century preacher Spurgeon said it best when he said, if you're not content with what you have, you're not gonna be content if it was doubled. You have to understand that what God has given to us, I wanna be thankful every day for what he's done. I wanna be thankful for the gift, but celebrate the gift giver, which is God himself. I'm thankful that I, that JVC, wherever it is and whoever's li listening to it, I pray God bless you. But let me just tell you something. That's just a gift. But the gift giver, he is for, forever eternal and everlasting. I don't want to get excited over the provision and not the provider. Once that happens, then there's a shift that takes place. Then stuff gets old, and there's never enough stuff. God is the only one that doesn't get old, because when you get focused on stuff, you get, you, you, you're all focused for what really matters. You ready for this? Largest tomb in the world, the largest tomb in the world is the Taj Mahal. Listen to this. That is a tomb. When you see the, that giant edifice, it's a tomb. In fact, it was built in 1629 by, by, by a ruler whose wife died, and he says, I'm going to build it. They put the casket in the center of this place and start to build around her in 1629. 22 years they spent building a tomb to this woman. They said in the middle of it that the husband got so involved with building this that there was a moment that he was in, in there building this giant edifice. He was wondering what that box was in the center of the building, and they ended up throwing it out. And then when 22 years was up, they realized they threw out the body of the woman that they were building this thing for. There is no body there today because they got so caught up in building a building. Stuff gets old, but let me just tell you something. There is someone who doesn't get old. He's from everlasting to everlasting, and that is Jesus himself. He's the only one that can do it. He's the only one that God has. That's why every single night, every, we, we did it last night with our kids. We ordered Chinese takeout food last night and did it with our kids. General chow chicken. And they, my kids hear me pray this every time we pray over that meal. I say this, God, thank you for providing the money for us to, to get this meal. I want them to know it's not about general chow and it's not about chicken fried rice. It is about the God that always provides for us every single time. Okay, last thing we gotta be done. We gotta end here. Okay, here we go. Final thing, number three, and let's close. Here it is. When you forget where you really came from, you forget how really good God has been. And this is where we're gonna hit the free food in Egypt for just a second. When you forget where you really came from, it's easy to forget how really good God is. There's something in us that, wants to, that, that forgets and sanitizes the past. I want you to listen to their free food talk for just a second, how they spruce it up and turn it into a menu of variety. Here it is. The rabble who were among the, them had greedy desires, and also the sons of Israel wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? And we remember, here comes the menu. We remember the fish we used to eat free 
in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And our appetite is gone. There's nothing to look at here except this manna. They forgot, they sanitized it. They forgot two important words in that. Can I, can I emphasize them for you? We used to eat free, here it comes, in Egypt. Okay, you know what that meant? You were in slavery and chains. Did you forget that part? I, I, get, I get it, Gar garlic, leeks, onion, I get that part. But let's emphasize the miracle of God. Let's emphasize what he's literally delivered you from. Yeah, you had a bigger menu, but it was in slavery. Yeah, you got miracle food, manna here, but you got God walking with you every single day. See, there are people that are here going like, yeah, I used to get to sleep in on Sundays. That's true. But you're also going to hell. <gasps> you said, mm-hmm. Why sanitize the past? You're sitting here, it's a miracle. It's a miracle that you're sitting here today. It's a reminder of how good God has been. We could let heaven get old right here in this church when we forget the, the parts of the past and sometimes we need a reminder. We just need a wake-up call. Can I, let me tell you a quick wake-up call. I was doing something with Compassion International probably one of the most emotional places I've ever been on this planet was in Rwanda. About 20 years after the genocide took place, a million people murdered. I saw it. I saw the places. I saw whole compassion centers where kids were obliterated. I saw it was my heart broke. But what woke me up in my spirit to realize how much God has given to us, God has given to me, I went in a church packed with 500 precious Rwanda people. Folks, they were singing, but there was one man that caught my attention. When he clapped, my goodness, you, you thought he was going to battle. I mean, he's clapped. When it was time to raise your hands, his hands were, and I stared at him. I couldn't even sing. I was watching this man. Best worshiper I've ever seen. Some of you are okay, but he was good. I mean, he was the best. For this reason, he had no hands. The Hutus chopped him off. He was clapping nubs, is what he was doing. And when those hands were up, he was lifting up nubs, and he's like just running around, and then, and no noise was coming up. But I have to tell you, heaven must have heard something that day. As that man was clapping, see, you, you can hear this, but you can't hear this. Heaven heard that. I walked to him at the end, and I grabbed those two nubs, and I said, I need you to do one thing for me. I said, I want you to lay hands on me. I kissed those nubs, and I said, just pray for me, that every time I come to church, I want to recognize these hands. When, when Natalie's singing that song, when she's, when she's singing King of the World, I don't want to be one of those. These hands weren't made to do this during King of the World. These legs, these legs that you have today weren't made just to sit there. These arms weren't made to sit there and do this. I'm telling you, when I start to realize where I came from and that God has given me two hands, I said, I'll clap every time. I'll lift my hands every time. Maybe I need to jump up and down once in a while just to say, God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for every gift that you've given to me.
I'm telling you, when we get to that end today and Natalie comes back up here in the choir, you better get those hands ready. God's given you two hands. And I'm believing that God is gonna do something today. Here's what's amazing. He said, I want you to get this as we close. So how do we protect this house from becoming just simply miracle contempt? Always remember this verse. How many know this verse? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It's coming down from the Father of lights. But here's what I want you to see today as we close. I want you to see the verse before in James. I want you to see the verse right after in the book of James. And let's connect when he says every good and perfect gift. This is what he says. Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. You know what he was telling you? Realize where everything you have comes from. Because some of you are sitting there going like, oh, that's, I worked hard for that PhD. Some of you are thinking like, I, you don't understand. I went, to, I, went to, I went to that business school. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm managing this hedge fund. That's why I'm working at the UN because I've done, okay, look at me for a second. Let me just help you with that. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Who gave you the eyes to see that whiteboard in that class? Who gave you the fingers to type on that laptop? Who gave you the legs to walk to class? Who's the guy? Okay, can I just help you? Don't be deceived. Every good gift comes from God above. Every good gift comes from God. Then he ends with this. He says, so don't be deceived. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits to all. You know what he was talking about there? This is what's important. What he was saying was, was this. This verse that you see on the screen, it's about a new birth. It, it, he's birthing people through the word of truth that's about to happen right now. Do you know last service, we saw 56 people born again for the first time. 56 people. Okay, uh, bear with me because this is going to be important for us today. Here's how we end before, before Natalie and the choir. Just listen close. Be careful. Be careful, Times Square. Be careful of contempt, of yawning at things we should be rejoicing at. Be cautious because in just a second, I'm gonna talk about going to heaven and being born again. You know what contempt is? Is going, oh, I can get my keys and, get, and be the first at the parking garage. I can hit the subway before anybody else does. God help us not to yawn anymore at what we should be in awe of. This is what heaven does. Jesus said, I tell you the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, the 99 righteous people that are sitting in the seats at Times Square Church. I added that, that's not in the Bible. I just added that part. What he was saying was, this is amazing. But when someone goes, I wanna to go to heaven today, heaven rejoices, heaven rejoices. Do you know what happens? Folks, listen, heaven claps for one hand. Men and women are at the brink of eternity and we're thinking how, how, can, how can we be the first to get out I, I had someone say to me the other day uh, about two weeks ago they said hey I, I was watching the sermon oh I love the service Freddie the choir I love the message he said but I turned it off and this is what they said he said I turned it off um, when you started the ABCs um, and all I thought was did heaven just get old to you to see people respond that were on their way to hell and now going to heaven did the joy of people finding God get old to us? Heaven is rejoicing and we're looking for our keys. Heaven's rejoicing and we're thinking, how can I get, I'm, I shouldn't have sat in the middle of the row. 
Now I can't get out when he starts the part that I know. Can I help you Christians? If you're born again here today, listen to me close. When we start talking about heaven, you become intercessors then. That's when you're going, God, save. God, let people find Jesus today. That's what we're supposed to do. This is the moment. I made you a promise. I said, every time you come to this place, you will never leave here without people having the opportunity to find Jesus. This is, this is the most wonderful time of the year for this one reason, that God sent Jesus. I'm reading, I'm reading David McCullough's book on the Wright brothers. It's just, it's fascinating how these two boys turned everything upside down with air travel. In December 1903, after many attempts, the Wright brothers were successful getting their flying machine off the ground, and they telegraphed their sister, Catherine, and this was the words they said, we have flown 120 feet off the ground, we'll be home for Christmas. Catherine went to the editor of the local newspaper, showed him the message, and he glanced down and said, how nice, the boys will be home for Christmas. They just flew, bro. <laughs> they just flew. And he's going, oh, they're going to be home for... Talk about missing it. Talk about missing the moment. Listen, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. And if our greatest need would have been pleasure, God would have sent an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent the Savior. That's what it is. Don't miss this. What Natalie sang in the beginning, and that's why when she comes to that third part, that bridge, when she starts singing about the cross, that's it for me, folks. That's it. If I can just do one thing before, I, before God takes me home in this final chapter of my life, if I could just do one thing, I'm going to take as many to heaven that I can. That's all I want to do. I want to take as many to heaven as I can. I want you to listen carefully now. It's the most important question I can ask you. In the balcony, on this main floor, you are here for a reason. Christians are praying for you. We walk through this whole place every week. We have connect groups that are in here that pray over every seat. You are sitting in a pre-prayed seat. Let me just let you know. So if you feel something burning, that just may be the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the most important question I can ask you. Those online, it's the most important question I can ask you. Have you been born again? Pastor Tim, what does that mean? Just when Jesus says in John 3, 3 that no one can see the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again, what Jesus was saying, he was giving us an important metaphor. This is what he was saying. Just as you had a first birth physically, you need a second birth spiritually. I was born this month. I'll celebrate a birthday in December. But that birthday doesn't get me to heaven. It's a second birth that gets me there. It's the day, not that I was born in a hospital. It's the day that God comes into my life and changes me from the inside out. That's what he's come to do. It's God coming in and wanting to change us from the inside out. This is so important because this, this determines your forever. Or let me just put it to you this way. What God is wanting to do here today is not just going to change church life. He's going to change your forever life. Everything. 
And so, Pastor Tim, how, how do you become born again? Here it comes. Heaven will never be old to me by God's grace. It's as simple as ABC. Allow me to do this. Christians, as soon as you hear the letters ABC, you should be praying for those online and those that are right here. ABC. All three of those letters correspond to an important word. A, it's admitting that I'm a sinner. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? All of us, including me, we're broken on the inside. It's a, it's a condition called sin. It's a condition that we were born with, that we can't fix with a priest or a pastor. We can't fix with a promise or a program. Only God can fix it. And it's that brokenness that's on the inside that I have to admit, or as one pastor said, he said, we're not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a savior. We don't need a second chance. We need a second birth, a second birth. Pastor Tim, then how does that happen? That's the B word, believe that God sent his son to fix our sinful condition that I can't fix myself. Do you actually think that God sent his son to come down, to go through the suffering, die on the cross, rise again, and then would say to you that are sitting in this place or watching online, hey, do your best to get to heaven. That's never what he said. I sat with a man three days ago, three days ago, who's asking me how to be born again in front of Starbucks. And here's what I told him. I said, the word sin means it's a crime against God and you don't have enough to pay the price of that. You need help. Thank God he sent his son to die for us. I said what he did was, Jesus came. Do you actually think Jesus said, hey, oh God said, I'm gonna send my son, but you do, you do your best. Well, it goes like this. How do you get to heaven? Well, I'm a good person. I've been water baptized. I've been christened. I've had my first communion. I went to the synagogue. I went to the mosque. All those things are great, but that's not what Jesus said. He said, you have to be born again. It starts with believing, believing that Jesus was my sin bearer, that he died the death that I was supposed to die, lived the life I couldn't live, and he, and he began to give me a reward I didn't deserve, which is forgiveness and heaven. And then finally, it's C, confessing him as Lord. This is the tough one. Confessing him as Lord means you're in charge now. Romans 10, 9, and 10. To confess Jesus as Lord means you're the boss now. Folks, listen to me. Balcony, listen to me. Main floor, listen to me. God did not send his son to die on a cross for you to get you to sit in a chair for 90 minutes on a Sunday. He didn't come to get you to church. God came to get you to heaven. To live with him forever. That's what he wants. To say that he's Lord means you're the boss now. Religion says, this is what religion says, I'd like to see you for 90 minutes on a Sunday. Relationship wants you every single day. That's what a relationship is. I want everybody in this place to close your eyes and bow your heads. Those that are watching online, I want you to listen very carefully. As we close today, if you're here today, this is life-changing today. This is life-changing today. Here's... This is eternity which is involved with this. Eternity is involved with this. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, the question is, have you been born again? And here's, and here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to pray a born again prayer. I want to pray a prayer that puts us on this journey. And there's some of you that are so afraid going like, Pastor Tim, I'm not perfect. Let me just help you. Perfect people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. You don't get good and come to God. You come to God and he makes you good. And if you're here today, 
I don't care what your hang-up is. I don't care what your addiction. I don't care. I don't care how much money you make, and I don't care what they call you at your occupation. None of those things get us to heaven, but to be born again. No man, no senator, no ambassador, no NBA player, no single mom, no police officer, no one can see the kingdom of heaven. Not even a pastor can see the kingdom of heaven unless we're born again. Today is that day. Today is that day. And if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, man, I want to take that step. I want to be born again. When you pray, listen, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born again prayer, I want to ask you right now that you would put me in there. I want to be part of that born again prayer. I want to be in there. I want to start that journey. If that's you, I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Because of COVID and protocols, I'm not going to make you stand. I won't walk you forward. I promise that. But I am going to ask you to make a decision today. If you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that prayer, in just a moment, get, get ready now, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. If you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that prayer, and we'll all pray it together, put me in it. I want to start a journey with God today without any hesitation. If that's you, hold up your hand as high as you can. Hold it up as high as you can. I want to make sure I see every... Keep them up so I can see them because I want to make sure I count every single hand that's up. Keep them up. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Keep them up. I want to make sure 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Keep them up on this side. 20, 21. Keep them up. 22. I got you back there. 23. I see you, mama. 24. I got you, dad, back there. I want to make sure 25. I got you in 26. Balcony. I want to make sure I don't miss 27. That's fantastic. Keep those hands up. Thank God for that. Those 27 hands that went up. Thank God for that. Folks, you know what's exciting to me? is to know that today over 80 people gave their heart to Jesus for the very first time. Heaven doesn't get old. Can we do this today? Can we all pray this together? Come on, say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say this with me now. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we put our hands together and thank God for that? Hallelujah. It never gets old to me, folks. Never gets old. Folks that were on their way to hell are going to heaven today in Jesus' name. Now listen, I want to ask you to do something for me. Online, in this place, I want you to text the word CONNECT to 5,000. 51,000, 5,000. What am I saying? I say this every week. 51,000. We just want to give you next steps on this brand new journey. I want you to stand with me as we get ready just to worship with choir and Natalie. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.